That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Broadcasting from the west coast of the Golden State, the nation's most straightforward recovery talk show, That Sober Guy podcast, helping to keep your brain sharp and your blood clean. And now, Shane Raymer. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. We have a sober panel meeting for you with myself, Oh, from the Share Podcast, and Paul Churchill from the Recovery Elevator. We take a couple of questions, one from Gavin and one from Eric, and we also talk on two topics today about service work and relapse. First, a word from our sponsor. Sober Nation is the largest online recovery community and treatment resource center. They provide treatment resources to those struggling with addiction as well as to family members who were caught in the crossfire. On top of that, Sober Nation is a huge community of good people who share their experience with each other. They have informative content, recovery and addiction news, as well as an entire clothing line which helps expand the culture of recovery. They can be found at www.SoberNation.com. Once again, that's SoberNation.com. Check it out. Now be sure that you check out on Sober Nation the Sober Nation podcasts on there. If you go to soberpodcast.com, you can find the Recovery Elevator, the Share Podcast, WWA Wrestling with Addiction, and yours truly, That Sober Guy. Make sure you go on there, check those out, leave us a comment on there. Let us know how you're liking the network, uh, how you like the shows, how you like the content. If there's any feedback you could provide any of us, we would love to hear it. It really helps us shape the show and shape the foundation of this whole recovery family that we're helping to create. So thanks for all of your support on that. Go to thatsoberguide.com as well and and register free for one of the live online Sunday morning meetings. These meetings take place every Sunday at 8 a.m. Pacific time. All you do is click on the live meetings tab at thatsoberguide.com and you can register there for free for the next online Sunday morning meeting. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Leave us a comment. Uh, go to sobriety at that sober guy.com and send me an email. If you have any questions, comments, anything you'd like to talk about, you can also donate to the show. All funds donated go right back into this operation in order to bring you the best recovery content. So before we get started, I just want to read one quick email that I got this week that really stands out to me. Uh, and actually this one just came in yesterday and it comes from Jesse and Jesse says, Hey, Shane, I want to start off by congratulating you on such a kick-ass podcast. Thank you for that, sir. I appreciate that. It says, I've been listening pretty much every day since I've been sober. You and the rest of the Sober Nation crew have become a big part of my recovery program, and I want to thank you all for that. The reason I'm writing is I'm hoping you could give me some advice on curing boredom. Such a good question, man. Uh, I'm about four months sober, and lately it seems nothing I do or the amount of stuff I buy is enough to keep me happy. My home group meetings are starting to drive me nuts. The same sad stories from the same sad people. It's like I know what they're going to say before they even start to say it. I have a good job, have a new car, sexy ass girlfriend, great kids, all the things a guy could want pretty much. Um, But I'm always wanting more and better things. Um, Except the girlfriend and kids, he says, of course. They're cool. I'm going through the steps with my sponsor, one step a month as as his sponsor has kind of directed him to do, which puts him at step four now. And um, he says, I haven't started it yet because quite frankly, I'm getting bored with the step work. 
I find myself going to meetings and going through steps just because it's working and I'm afraid of relapsing, not because it's making me a, a happier, better person. If you or someone you know has been in my situation before, I'd love to have some advice and I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. So first and foremost, if anyone can relate to that, um, you know, and, and you feel like you want to reach out to Jesse, email me sobriety at that sober guy, and I will forward that message to Jesse for you. I'm not at liberty to give anybody's contact info out, but I, I don't mind being the middleman if you feel like you want to speak to him and maybe you've been through through some of this stuff because my my guess is that many of us have. And uh, that leads into into my experience with this. And yes, Jesse, I have been through this. And the one thing when I was reading your email, bro, that stands out to me, I don't know what your faith base is. And and to me, it's it's really irrelevant. I just want to put one thing out there that has really helped me to understand this, um, you know, as men, as, as people in general, but I'll just speak for, for me, cause I'm a man. And I, I just feel this, um, you know, this sense of having to be responsible, take care of my family. Um, you know, the responsibilities, not only all the regular stuff, but having to stay sober now too. working the step work, going to meetings, doing the podcast for me. Um, a couple things for you, bro. The first one is this, a man's soul is so big that there's nothing, no possession, uh, no amount of anything, nothing that can truly fulfill it except the spirit of your higher power, whatever that case is. In my case, it's Jesus Christ. So without Jesus in my life, um, I, I feel empty inside. And I went through this for many, many, many years. Okay. So that's first and foremost. And, and I can tell you from personal experience, um, that worked for me. Once I kind of figured that out and took that into perspective a bit. Uh, the other thing is this. We talk about this in this upcoming um, sober panel meeting that you're about to hear right now. And that's service work. The stuff you're describing, you're, you, you have everything. It's great. Everything's going well for you. And, and I, can, I can see that and I get it in your email. But at the same time, you're still feeling that emptiness, okay? That's because my guess is that you're not really doing any service work. You're not really helping to step outside and help other people. And, and if I'm wrong, my apologies to you, but it's not in the email here. Um, I would recommend, dude, going out, even if it's making coffee. I know that sounds lame at the meeting, but something as little as that can really make a difference in, in giving back. And so if, if you're not okay with doing that, then find something else. For me, it's the podcast. It's it's stepping out and talking to people, whether it's um, at the grocery store, at the gym, at my at you know, and when I'm in a work environment, um, at the church, maybe you know, music. That's another one. I don't know if you're into music. You can you can find ways to to kind of open yourself up and um, and let that positivity in, and then be able to give it back if that makes sense. So I would really really encourage you, man, to find something that you're passionate about that you enjoy to do, and that is helping other people. That'll really help to get you out of this funk. As far as, as far as the step works, um, as far as the step work goes, excuse me. Um, you know, that's something I'm working on myself. So you're not alone there, bro. I, I've, I've been, um, sober now for a couple of years and, uh, I'm still working on the steps. So just be patient. Don't feel rushed to do them. Um, find what, where you're comfortable at. I mean, you know, try not to drag ass on them, but at the same time, just do your best, man. And I'll recommend a book to you right now, bro. And everyone else out there listening, I, maybe you've heard me talk about this before, but it's the four agreements by Dom, Dom Miguel Ruiz. And, um, 
that's really going to help to put some things in perspective for you. One of the four agreements is do your best. So just keep that in mind. Look at your feet when you're feeling lost. Live in the moment. Here you are right now, Jesse. So thanks for reaching out, bro. And I hope that helps you a little bit. Once again, if anyone else has any advice, um, you know, send it over my way. I'll forward it over to Jesse. So let's get this show on the road. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Thanks. And welcome to the second panel discussion meeting from the podcast. I guess you can say we are now officially part of the Sober Podcast Nation group. And that would be Paul, Shane, and myself. So, guys, my name is Omar Pinto. I'm with the Share Podcast. And go ahead, introduce yourselves, Paul and Shane. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. This is Shane from That Sober Guy Podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you, fellas. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. This is Paul Churchill from the Recovery Elevator Podcast, and I can't think of a better way to start my Sunday. Awesome. Paul, you're getting so good at this shit, man. Like, seriously. <laughs> Stop. I love it. I love it. Stop. My face is already red to start with, buddy. Awesome. All right. So, guys, we're going to go ahead and we have some recorded questions that we're going to play, and Paul, Shane, and I are going to answer those questions. Uh, but just so you know, the topics for today are going to be service work, being of service, and then New Year's resolutions uh, for recovery. Uh, so first, we're going to start off with the question from Gavin. Hey, Shane. This is Gavin from New York. I've been listening to you for probably a month or so, and I haven't had a drink in a little over five days. And I'm wondering, for me, towards the end of the day is when I used to drink. I just feel like it's such a long pool or such a strong pool to drink. Um, and I know, you know, distraction, do other things. And it just feels like in five days and it's been an eternity. Um, will this subside? And I'm sure it, you know, is dependent on the individual. But, um, you know, I, I just I'm looking so far ahead. It just feels like I don't know if I could make it. And and it just seems so long. But anyhow, um, appreciate what you do and uh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gavin. <laughs> yeah, so just. Just to uh, just to kind of little heads up on that, I think I'd thrown out on the show. Yeah, leave us a message, and uh, I don't care what you ha- what you have to say. If you want to speak on whatever, you can even tell me to fuck off. And Gavin uh, took it upon himself to do that. So thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, man. For for me, I I find this this question as I was kind of listening back to it. Um, I, I went to rehab for 30 days. So I, I feel like I'm kind of lucky in that aspect where I really couldn't, I really couldn't drink. There wasn't alcohol there. I was pretty much in an environment where I had professional, um, you know, therapists and other people that were there for me. So those first 30 days, it really, I mean, I guess I could have escaped and, you know, ran, but I mean, that's, that's taking it to the extreme, I guess, um, um, for me. So those first, those first five days that you're talking about, Gavin, it's got to be really important. Like for me inside of there, I had a support group. I had therapists. I had other people in there that were, um, that were trying to get, you know, clean and sober around me. We got to be doing the same things on the outside, whether or not we're in a rehab or we're out, you know, just in our regular environments, trying to, trying to clean up and, and get and stay sober. And that means, that means going out to meetings, meeting people that are in recovery, uh, trying to find and and when I say people, 
maybe just a person. It doesn't have to be multiple people. We just need to at least have one, preferably maybe two or three, but at least one person that we can that we can go to during those first 30 days, during those first couple of months as it evolves where, boom, we're going to a meeting. We're in a set schedule. We have someone on speed dial that we can immediately call as soon as we start to get those urges to come on. Uh, that That's really the important thing is to have a support group and have people that we can rely on and lean on when we need the help to get, um, you know, when, when those urges and those feelings start to arise. So that, that'd be my take on it. Thanks, Gavin. All right. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate that. All right. Oh, share a podcast here. So I've been listening. Well, not listening. I've been reading a lot. Uh, but what's been going on in Paul's group, the Recovery Elevator Private Accountability Group, which is a phenomenal group for newcomers. If you're a newcomer and you know you need to hold yourself accountable, we all have private groups, but this one seems to be the most thriving. And what's popped up right after the the first of the year was people really holding on by a thread, three days, five days, six days, staying sober. And it's like, you know, I'm just barely holding on. Like, how do I do this? And then what would happen was you'd have, you know, five, 10, 15 people chime in and start giving support to this person, whoever was asking for support. So I'm going to come from a place where I came from initially because there wasn't Facebook groups when I first got sober. So I'm going to come from a place of meetings. When I first got clean and sober, I was in a desperate state. I had lost my business, uh, my wife, I was my health was real bad. And, you know, it was like minute to minute. So I finally t- the, took the suggestion. And though I do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program, I am just going to speak from my recovery. And I went to Narcotics Anonymous when I first went in. And of course, I had, when I came in, I shared. I said, I'm desperate. I need help. I don't know what to do here. I've lost everything. And then all of a sudden, guys just started sharing the same story. And I could relate to everybody in the room. And then right after the meeting, they came to me and they handed me a phone list. And they said, call me. Call me anytime. If you want to call me at 2 o'clock in the morning, call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. But don't call me after. Call me before. If you drink, don't call me. And, you know, I thought, wow, these fucking people, they don't even know me. And they're telling me to, to give them a call. And one of the guys says, you're going to need a sponsor. So if you need one, I'm available. So they made themselves available. They made themselves accountable. They allowed me to hold myself accountable. And so what did I do? I, I went to a meeting the next day, right? And I went to a meeting the next day after that because I felt good. And the minute I left that meeting and I left that, that, that hub, I was terrified. You know, I'd go home and lock myself in because I was afraid of leaving the house. I was afraid of my own shadow. Um, and I didn't have the Facebook groups to lean on. So I think that a, a healthy combination of both in those first five days is to find a home group where you can connect with other people, people that will give you their phone number, people that will go and have coffee f- with you, people that will take your call in the middle of the night, people that will take a walk with you. I, I think it's so important that human interaction, we need it. We cannot do this alone. And if you're sitting at home by yourself trying to figure this out, then you're at home alone with an addict. And that's not the place that I want to be, you know, early in recovery. So that's just my take on things. Paul, you're up, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, Shane, great stuff. I was kind of taking some notes there as well, since I am kind of the rookie here with sobriety, only 16 months. But thanks for having me on this panel. First off, Gavin, the fuck off. Thank you. That's what it's got to be. 
You got to have an attitude shift. The fuck off is so much better than the fuck it's because the case of the fuck it's is like, ah, fuck it. I'm drinking. Right. So in those first five days and especially entire part of your early recovery, and I'm still in this phase in my recovery is you got to watch out for number one. That would be you, Gavin. And there are several times in my day, in my recovery, even today after 16 months where I'm straight up, you know what? Fuck off. That is not in line with my recovery. It's not happening. Okay, Gavin? And let me tell you this right now. The first 72 hours, they're the hardest. They are the hardest because physiologically our body is changing. Our body is not used to being without alcohol. And so, you know, getting three days of sobriety, four days, five days, myself included, and then relapsing, that is like double just beating your head against the wall. And because we're always wondering, like, does this get better? Um, And, you know, but like actually Dr. Google uh, there are some answers to these questions to a topic that is so complex, you know, that involves a higher power, whatnot. You know, the 72 hours are the hardest part of the withdrawal part. As soon as you make it through that, you know, it, it's you're, it's by far not the home stretch. But what I found is just those first 72 hours. And then you're like, now what? And kind of what, uh, what O was saying, I'm not, you know, recovery elevator. We're not affiliated with any 12-step recovery groups or whatnot. But what I did, I kept myself busy. I went to three meetings day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, then went down to two, then to three, then to two, then to one, then to two, to three. You get the point, right? And so, and this is the whole like no pain, no gain thing. That can fuck off in my opinion because you do, you know, you got to be kind and gentle to yourself. You got to be selfish. You're already in a lot of pain. And you don't need to put yourself through any more pain. Like take a nap in the first five days. Be <laughs> kind to yourself, right? And and do things in early recovery to be busy. I remember walking out of an AA meeting. I got sober on September 7th. I'm like September 10th. I'm you know just trying to stay busy. I live in beautiful Bozeman, Montana. I look up at this peak. I look at my beautiful dog, which Omar, I'm sure, is going to make fun of me later, right? I look at this peak. <laughs> look at my dog, and I'm like, ah, fuck loaded them up and we went and hiked it we didn't make it to the top it was a pretty high peak but you get the point i tried to stay busy so gavin that's what i got i hope that helps beautiful i love it paul i love your dog man he's adorable <laughs> you got a pet monkey out there in costa rica <laughs> yeah. occasionally you know he needs a spanking every once in a while so you know <laughs> oh, that's why they call him the howler monkey right there I i'll try and stop spanking my monkey so, um, yeah. Any, yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't I, take I, I yourself that one over the plate. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> All right, guys. So now we're going to jump into our next question. So, Paul, why don't you play the next recording for us? Absolutely. Give me one second. Eric Smith here in uh, beautiful Seattle, Washington. Just calling to say hi to you and the recovery elevator team. Um, just had, I guess, one question for you. I know the the super episode with uh, Shane and O from uh, the other podcast has passed, but uh, question for you would be: What is uh, what's something you got wrong in the first six months of your sobriety? What is something you thought you had a handle on, a concept you thought you understood that uh, after getting some time under your belt this year here that you realize uh, you were completely wrong about. Um, my list of those is quite long, so hopefully uh, you know you won't have too hard a time coming up with any either. But uh, hope you're good, man. Take care. Talk to you soon. Yeah, 
Eric, thanks for the great question. I guess I'm going to field this one first. And again, like Eric said, there's really no short list because I failed at a lot of things in early sobriety and especially the first six months. Fortunately, the only thing that really mattered, I didn't fail at. And that is I didn't drink. And as so as we are so hard on ourselves in recovery and in general, we kick the shit out of ourselves on top of the alcohol. A lot of those failures, I kind of just let go. However, some specific failures where the confidence that was building within me, I needed to humble myself, right? You know, we always are like, oh, I got this. We always have the, our own ideas and intentions. And it's that thinking, my brilliant ideas that landed me in the predicaments that I was in the first place. So I remember after like one, two, three months of sobriety, you know, the confidence was, was coming back. And all of a sudden ideas were coming into my head of like how I could once again return to normal, to, to normal drinking. Fortunately, this time, you, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to try those out. Um, you know, I failed and I, I, I took, you know, I, a lot of times I failed on not listening to my sponsor's advice. You hear these things like don't get involved with girls, don't take on too much on your plate in early sobriety. I did a lot of that stuff. But again, I didn't fail at the number one thing, which is, which is the drinking. Um, I mean, there's failure is, is one of those words that I, in my mind, have switched it. I don't mind failing. And if I'm going to fail, I got to fail fast. And what that means is when you fail, you want to do it quickly, but you also want to learn what happened and then you can fix it fast and go on the correct spot. Because if you are going to have a long-term sobriety, you're going to fail a thousand times over. But what it's all about, though, is you got to learn from each individual failure. That is a great question, uh, Eric. And yeah, I cannot wait to hear what uh, what O and Shane have to say. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Um, oh, here, share a podcast. Okay, I love this question because it reminds me of exactly what happened to me in my first six months. And as a matter of fact, on my anniversary meetings, someone from when I got sober will uh, undeniably bring this up. And it's always real funny. When I first came into the rooms, you know, I didn't even use my, my name, Omar. I, I call myself Brian. So at first, <laughs> Brian. So, nice. so I came in as Brian because <laughs> I was I'm calling like, you Brian from now on. Yeah, I was Family like, guy. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm like, who the fuck are these people? You know what I mean? All paranoid. So hi, I'm Brian. I'm an addict. You know. Um, and when I first came in, I felt so good. I got on that pink cloud real fast. And somebody handed me a book, and I got a sponsor, and I started underlying and highlighting that basic text, like like uh, Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. Okay, I was like completely out of my fucking mind, and I'm highlighting everything, and I'm reading the book every single day, and I'm showing up at the meetings, and I'm telling people, guys, I found a new way to work the steps. It's a lot faster. It's a lot more efficient, and I'm a guy with 30 days sober, Okay. So everyone in there is like secretly going, stay away from that guy, okay, or you will fucking surely relapse. And, you know, my ego had gotten completely out of control. I had substituted the drugs for, the, for recovery, but the thing that, I had, that had eluded me was the, the first three words that were introduced to me when I first came into the rooms, which is honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, okay? And though I thought because I plunged into it head first that I wanted to be the CEO of the Narcotics Anonymous Fellowship, all right, and that I had really taken this so seriously 
that I my ego had completely gone out of control. I was not being humble. I was not being teachable. I was not being willing to listen to all the suggestions. And when I came in, I came in to get my wife back. So here I am running around like a maniac, going to meetings every day, studying, showing up to meetings every single day, working with my sponsor. My sponsor's telling me, dude, you got to chill the fuck out. Seriously. You're like, you're too hyped up about this. Okay. Like one day at a time, take it easy. And uh, I said, listen, I want to get my wife back. And if I work these steps fast enough, then maybe at the end, all these miracles that are, people are talking about, it's going to have them come true for me. Uh, you know, and he goes like, what's your timeline? I don't know, six months maybe. He's like, oh my God, you're out of your mind. You know, you need to slow down. And of course I didn't listen. I didn't, I didn't want to listen. So um, one day I, f- I found out that uh, my now ex-wife, she had a friend over and we'd been separated for about five months at this time a guy friend that she's been hanging out with and I didn't know about it. And I had snuck into the house and started reading her diary and I started reading about this guy. And so I lost my shit because I had not connected myself with people in the rooms. I had taken it upon myself to figure out my own recovery program. And so when this happened to me, my ego was like, well, you can't go talk to these people. They're going to think you're a fucking idiot after everything you've been doing and talking about working the steps so fast. And so my choice, the logical solution was to drink. And I just went out, got myself two bottles of of, uh, Johnny Walker and proceeded to get myself annihilated. Okay, So, so in the early stages... In the early stages, I thought I had this thing under wraps. But the reality is, is that this disease is so cunning, baffling, and powerful that it takes a form in so many different ways. You know, for me, it was gave me a false sense of security that I had this thing and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, right? I needed to listen to somebody else that had done this before me and I didn't want to take the suggestions. And so I relapsed. I went for two months hard. And when I came back... You know, I dragged my ass into a meeting and I said, I'm done. And whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. And that, that was the beginning of me truly recovering, which humility, surrender, and absolute just complete letting go. Step three, baby. All right. That's what I got. Thank you. Paul, Brian, thanks so much. That was great advice from you both. (laughs) Um, This is Shane. And uh, Eric, first off, man, I, I want to uh, ask you if you're a salesman, and no offense, but I, I thought you were about to start selling us some Amway products right when you came on. So uh, great, great job there. No, in all, in all reality, man, great question, Eric. Thanks, man. Um, what did I have? What did I think I had a handle on? And, um, you know, when I kind of think back, the first thing that, that popped into my head, Eric, when you kind of proposed this question here was like, who am I? When I, when I got out of rehab and, you know, I had, I had 30 days under my belt and I really did not know who I was. I, I literally did not know. And I, and I thought I did. Okay. I thought I knew who I was. I was going to be, you know, this new man and my marriage was going to be, you know, just completely changed and better. And I was going to be the best father and, and, you know, my intentions, those are great intentions. Right. Um, but I didn't know who I was. And, and let me give you an example of that. And I, I talk about this in one of the early episodes of the podcast is I came home. I'm, I've never, I've never wore Wranglers, cowboy boots. And, um, you know, I've never hunted before. 
Dude, I came home and I bought like two pairs of Wranglers, <laughs> cowboy boots, a fucking a camo like camo flannel, like I was gonna fucking go hunting. I was this man now. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and it, it was the most like confusing time like that I could really think back on in, in, in my life. And um, you know, like I said, my intentions were well, but I just I was trying to jump ahead of the game. I was trying to I was trying to um to, to be somebody that, that I wasn't. And, and the, the thing to that was, is it was going to take time. It was going to take hard work. It was going to take a lot of patience. It was going to take a lot of failure and mistakes. And like Paul was saying, the most important thing was that I stayed sober through this, right? I stayed sober through this, through this time, but I had to have patience. I had to, I had to, to sit back and let things evolve and, and put the work in. And part of that meant you know, like we were saying earlier, is having a support group, having people around us um, that are good influences, not not putting ourselves in in bad situations. Um, so I have I have one more too that I'd like to that I'd like to kind of jump on, and that's the step work. Um, I'm actually about to start the twelve the twelve step program through Celebrate Recovery, which which is through through our church here uh, in Vacaville, and I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to do it on a faith based level. And I'm, I'm definitely not um, saying that's the only way to do it. That's one of the things that I can't stand the most is, is you know, people saying, well, if you don't do it this way, then you're going to fail at it. Um, that's a huge turnoff to me. And I have an idea. I have a pretty good idea that it's a huge turnoff to other people, too. There's certain there's a certain program that you must follow. So let me be very clear about that. I'm not saying that you go against the grain, just like O was talking about, like he, he thought he knew it all. And. And I think a lot of us have done that same thing. There's a certain outline that you that you got to follow to be successful. At the same time, don't fucking tell me, you know, what, like every little thing, because some some things that work for certain people might not work for others and vice versa. So I, I just kind of want to be clear on that. That's my opinion on it. And if I'm, if you know, if I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I, I don't know. I know what worked for me, right? So back to the steps. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to start this because the steps were one thing that I failed on. Um, you know, I, I never got through them all. You know, I, I still have never gotten through all my steps. And that's kind of hard for me to, to admit because I feel a bit insecure when I say that, like, well, man, that means I'm not good enough, you know, and that, that's just, that's not true. You know, that, that little voice inside says that. And now I, I think I've grown enough to know, like, no, you, you need to put the work in and do it just like I'm saying. Um, so Anyways, Eric, man, that's a great question. Um, you know, to sum it up for me, you know, be patient, take some time to figure out, let things evolve. Um, and, and it will kind of work itself out as long as you're putting the work in and, um, you know, the step work, I think that's a, that's a really important thing, uh, when we're in recovery is to really peel back those layers, um, that are, that are way deep down within us. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is by opening up, communicating and, and working the steps. So, uh, thanks, Eric. And no, I don't want to buy any of your Amway products. <laughs> Shane, you're a better salesman than, <laughs> than most. Dude. Jesus Christ, I want to buy what you're selling. Shit. <laughs> and, oh, man. And, and I, I will also go ahead and uh, attest to that as well. Uh, when you find that you have the humility to actually work the steps honestly and from the position of, you know, of changing your life, 
Uh, there's no question about it. Steps will change your life. They change mind. And uh, I would absolutely recommend it to anyone who's serious about long-term sobriety. So that's my take. Does anybody have anything else or should we move on? I got one quick thing to say. And one, one of the big things I failed in the first six months was not expanding my recovery portfolio network. What I mean by that is not meeting and hanging out with enough people who are also in recovery. And to that tune, Eric and I have spoken on the phone. I'm having a meetup in Seattle on February 27th. And I actually get to meet Eric personally. And that is what I'm doing now. I am just loading my iPhone full of numbers of people who are also in recovery. It's awesome. That is awesome, and that's how, that's how it's done. We are never alone. we got to do this thing together. All right, so, guys, we're going to move on now. Uh, this, uh, the first topic, we wanted to listen to the questions first just to kind of get warmed up, uh, but we've got two topics, the first being service work and being of service. And I'm going to kick this one off just because I'm really passionate about what's been going on recently. Uh, you know, like I was telling Paul and Shane earlier before we started this, is that I was noticing how much interaction is going on in the Facebook recovery groups. Um, there's three in particular. The first one is Paul's, the Recovery Elevator Private Accountability Group. Uh, mine, the Share Podcast Private Accountability Group. And a new one, which is Sobriety, Recovery, and Beyond, that uh, has Michael Hilton and Stephanie Schilling in it. And I have been introducing a lot of the newcomers into all three of these groups, like right from the beginning. In these particular groups, what I've been noticing is people are jumping in here and really interacting with each other. And what I've heard a lot of people say in the beginning, because I've sponsored quite a few people, and the first thing that I tell them when they're really having trouble staying clean and sober, it's like, you've got to find a way to do service. You know, when you're so busy worrying about, I lost my job, I lost my wife, I lost my car, I don't have any money, I don't know what to do, then you're stuck in the I mentality. Me, 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 me. And so when that happens, I, even it, with multiple years of recovery, I find that when I'm focusing too much on my own needs, I start to suffer. I start to feel pain. And it's only when I get out of myself, reach out to somebody else and say, how are you doing? How can I help you? How can I be of service to you in your road to recovery that I start to feel that, that wonderful sense of peace and serenity come over me because I'm not focusing on myself and I'm actually doing what I like to call God's work. You know, and, and you know, not to, to press upon any kind of a religious God. You know, HP baby, that's where HP baby stems from, is the, is the concept of doing service work. And when I first started sponsoring guys, there was a few times where a wife would come up to me or a parent would come up to me and they would say, thank you so much for helping them. They're doing so much better now. And I would always say, HP baby. They would say, what does that mean? I say, don't thank me, thank God. I am not the well, but I do enjoy being the pipe every once in a while. And that service work that comes, it's so exhilarating. It's like, you know what? If, if people that are early in sobriety can just tap into this, just tap into this, you will find that it's so much easier to stay clean and sober. And if you, if you pay attention to what's happening in these rooms, there's people that, are, that have so much less clean time They've got less than six months. They've got less than, uh, they've got less than 60 days. And they are in there. They've got, some of them have five days, and they're in there consulting people with one day. 
They're doing service. And this is the thing that I want to impress. And this is also the things that I tell people when they reach out to me. They're like, man, you know, thank you so much for, for participating in my recovery. I love your show. And I say, join me on Facebook. I'm going to plug you into these groups. And I want you to participate in there. Participate in your recovery. Participate in the recovery of others. A kind word from somebody. Somebody's in there desperate. They need help. I don't know how to stay clean and sober one more fucking minute. I need help. And 15 people chime in and say, you can do this, man. We got you. We got your back. And this is a, this is, these are groups that are worldwide. We're, we're connected globally. So 24-7, you'll have somebody. If you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, Penny will, re- will reply. Okay? So that's just the bottom line. There's people in there doing service every single day. Get yourself in there. Get yourself in the groups. You can be of service even if you have one day. Because when you reach out to the group and they reach back out to you, you're both allowing a higher power to work in your life that you don't even understand. You don't even need to understand it, but it's working. And I've seen it work every day. So that's enough out of me. I'll, uh, I'll jump in here. This is Shane, and I'm a drug addict. Yes, you are. I like to say that. I like to say that because – actually, I don't like to say that in all honesty. I still feel odd sometimes saying, my name is Shane. I'm an alcoholic. Or, my name is Shane. I'm a drug addict. See, because – the trickery of this disease, of this you know, alcoholism addiction is the fact that it tells us that we don't have it. So it's like that immediate expression of, yes, I'm an alcoholic. Yes, I'm an addict. A lot of people on the outside might, might not understand that. It's kind of hard to swallow sometimes, I guess. But we don't have any expectations for what other people think of us. It, it, you know, this is, we don't need to prove anything to anyone else. We just need to prove to ourselves you know, uh, of, of what we want. And that's, that's the goal of staying sober, of staying clean, of changing our lives. So that leads into this, this topic of service work here. Like O was saying, that selfish mentality. How many of us out there have only thought of self for years and years and years? You know, alcoholism addiction is a very selfish disease. It's even selfish in recovery because now what are we doing again? We're putting time, which takes away from our families, into our recovery. And that's a selfish act, but thank God that's a, that's a good form of, of selfish. And over time, that will start to change into a positive thing. And that, that's where the service work comes in. We, need, we, we have to get out of our own way. I know for, for me, I'm my own worst enemy. So when I'm locked up in my head and I have that committee going on up there, I tend to get wrapped up in that. And this happened for months in the beginning of, of my sobriety. And when I finally figured out that Man, like if I if I just stop and I, I reach out to other people and I start to to open myself up and I let my guard down and I ask um, and th- and this is, can just be the littlest thing, just like holding the door open for somebody or buying somebody's cup of coffee, you know, j- just something little like that. It doesn't have to be some extravagant I'm going to save the world type of thing. Those type of things can get us out of our own out of our own head and start that healing process and start that feeling of goodness and joy and hope inside of our hearts. And over time, we continue to do that. It grows our soul. It grows our spirit. We become, we, we become the, the, we manifest the, the person that we want to become over, over a period of time by doing these little things, if that makes sense. And so one tool that I use to do this is I learned from, from a, um, a counselor of mine named David, who is absolutely phenomenal, taught me so many things that one, one little thing was, Move your ass and your mind will follow. So when we get that resistance, when we want to get locked up in our own little heads and we don't want to go out and do, be of service 
we don't want to go out and go to a meeting. We don't want to jump on, um, you know, and listen to a podcast or we don't want to jump on one of the groups on Facebook. Um, move your ass and your mind will follow. Just get your ass up and go. And once you get to that spot, the rest will fall into place. And this really, this really can work on a bunch of different skills, not just service, service work. It can really help on the, on the recovery process, like for an urge, for instance. You know, if you're having an urge to drink and it's starting, it's starting to get bad, you feel it start coming up through your chest and through your throat. Dude, move your ass, get your ass to a meeting, get your ass on the phone, and the rest will fall into place. So I think that's I think that kind of sums it up for me. Um, and thanks, O, for for uh, for your word on that, too. I'm interested in, in what Paul's Paul's going to have to say. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, Shane. O, great stuff. First off, as cunning and baffling and just so perplex and complex as an issue of alcoholism is. <laughs> I mean, I, I have no idea. I don't have the answers and I have never claimed to have the answers on the podcast. However, one bright note, after interviewing 46 people, 46 consecutive weeks in a row, there have been light bulbs that have gone off in my head almost weekly, almost daily, right? So the bright spot here is the recovery thing could not be more beautifully structured. Now you're hearing that, you're saying like, what in the fuck does that mean? This is what I mean right here. And it, it, it is amazing to think about this. And, you know, I look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm like, oh, my God, had I have known this before, maybe I would not have relapsed those oodles and oodles of time. And here's what I mean. Okay. For example, the Johnsons down the street, they've got a really old fence that definitely needs to be painted. So myself, I grab my paintbrush. I go down to the Johnsons. I paint their fence. I feel pretty good about myself. The Johnsons, they got a brand new white coat of paint on their fence. I get all my paint back in my red wagon. I pull the wagon back up to my house, and I'm like, wait a second. My fence is painted. How, how in the hell did that happen? Not only did I paint the Johnsons' fence, my paint or my fence also got painted. And the analogy, the reference there is it's when you're helping out doing this service work you're also helping yourself just as equal in the amount of help. It's the craziest thing. And many times in the past, and I'm like, ah, oh, I can't call my sponsor. He's got a family. I don't want to be bothersome to him. Things like that. If my sponsor relapses, what I know now, I'll probably be like, damn it. I should have bugged him more. I should have called him more and helped him stay sober more. And another thing, I've seen this three times with the service work is – is, is uh, you know, in, in early recovery, which I still am in, I've got only 16 months of recovery and I don't know the answers, especially in early recovery. But I always thought that I'm like, man, what can I share? I've been sober for seven minutes. I've been sober for seven days. I can't share anything. But like I said, I've seen this happen three times in the city of Bozeman. I go to a beginner meeting, right, is what starts out as a beginner meeting. And I'm looking around the room. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. There's only like three people here in the beginners meeting. They're actually beginners. It's because, again, the way this is structured so beautifully is people in long-term recovery, like Mr. O, like people with 15, 20, 30 years of recovery, they find it just as valuable of their time to go listen to a bunch of guys who are, who are in very early recovery because they're like, man, that's right. It's the affirmation. Yes, I am still an alcoholic. And the second part is I don't 
want to fucking go back to where these guys are at. So I can't relapse. So there's the way this is structured that it, it, it's beautiful. Now with Recovery Elevator, I get emails. And if you've emailed me and I've responded late, I apologize. There will be a time where I probably can't get back to all the emails. I'm an anxious person. I have anxiety. And I, I, I like one day a week, I'll sit down and respond to all these emails. But again, the way this is structured, how beautiful it is, after I get through 20, 30 emails, I feel fucking fantastic. Go figure, right? It's the service work. I don't have the answers, but me just working with other alcoholics who have less sobriety, even more sobriety than me, it makes myself feel really good. I, again, like the, paint spinning, the, like, the, like the fence painting analogy, if you're a personal trainer and you're helping somebody get strong, like you don't go home, take off your shirt and be like, wow, I also have big muscles now. It, it, it doesn't work like that. And I can't think of anything else that's structured this beautiful. So that's all I got. Beautiful. Thanks, yeah, that's that's really nice and good analogies as well. There is that whole idea of going to a meeting, having and I know exactly I've been there so many times where I've been at a meeting and maybe I haven't been in a meeting for a while and a newcomer shows up and he comes in and just dumps about where he's at and the fear that's going on and all the shit that he's got going on in his life, the wreckage. And I go, wow. Man, I am so grateful that that is not me. There, by the grace of God, go I. And if you have not heard that term, you haven't gone to enough meetings. Because I've heard that term so many times. There, by the grace of God, go I. And so it reaffirms my commitment to stay in the program. It like gives me that jolt of energy. So you're, you're Paul. You're a hundred percent right, man. That whole, that whole dynamic, how this program works, one helping the other. You know, you can't do this alone. We we need the newcomers and we need the old timers. It's just a period. One can't live without the other. Beautiful, beautiful. Anything else, guys? I think I'm, I think I'm good. That's a good. Good stuff right there, man. Beautiful. This is kind of a rhetorical question, but what you just said, what happens if everybody gets sober in the world, right? Then I think everybody will start relapsing again because there's no newcomers coming in. <laughs> just put that in a pot and smoke it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe don't smoke it. You get to yeah. Where the fuck does Paul come up with this shit, man? I don't know. Dude, yeah, yeah. Paul, Great. you got to start making fortune cookies, dude. I'm excited to hear your answers on the next topic. All no. fortune cookies. I see it right now. The landing page. I can picture it. Dude, absolutely. All right. Well, Paul, you're going to start this one off then, buddy. New Year's resolutions. Go. Okay. New Year's resolutions. The podcast that comes out tomorrow, January 4th. I covered this. First off, it's a great exercise. Goals. If you don't write down your goals, you're probably never going to achieve them. But resolutions as far as drinking goes, I'm going to say that's not a good resolution. And here's why alcoholics, we are infamous and notorious for creating promises to ourselves that we're never going to keep. So don't tell yourself, look, on day one of January, 2016, like this one day has all this special power. Like it's different than any other day. Last 10 days and make, well, you know, we, we relapsed. We got 10 days. though. It was good. Let's just, uh, wait till next January one, 2017. And if there's anything worth in life worth going for, 
don't wait for a specific day. You got to quit right now. If it's December 23rd and you're like, oh, who decided to juice December 23rd? Yeah. That's the right day to do it. Yeah. Because anything worthwhile in life, it don't need to wait. It doesn't need to wait till January 1st. And hell, what happens after, you know, in between the holidays, you get a DUI. You're going to shoot yourself in the foot, the pocketbook, and you might even be in the jail cell and everything else. That's what I got on New Year's resolutions. All right. Thank you, Paul. Shane, you're up, buddy. New Year's resolutions. Yes, uh, Paul, I think you hit it right on there. What better day to start than today? Um, And I will speak from experience on this because I have been doing this shit for the last two to three weeks now. I'm going to start on this day. (laughs) And I'm still eating like dog shit right now. I had apple (laughs) pie last night. Apple pie, fat. Yes. Man, and it's it's just like I was telling my wife this morning. I was I was doing the poor me attitude BS because I'm like, oh god, I'm just gonna quit. I don't even care. I'm just gonna get fat and out unhealthy, and I don't even care anymore because I just continue this. Like, oh, I can't jump on. I keep pushing out the date. It's gonna be the first now. It's not now. It's now. What's today? Today's the third. I'm gonna start tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. I'm gonna get back on track. Right. And obviously, when it comes to drinking, I guess, you know, no matter what the ad- addictive thing is, they're of equal importance, right? Whether it's eating, I'm using the food analogy right now because that, that one has been what's been kind of hindering me. Um, just get up and do it. You know, and I said that to myself, like, Shane Raymer, get your ass up and quit the poor me bullshit and, and just get after it and do it. And if you don't want to do it, then go fucking eat a cherry pie or go drink a fifth of Jack Daniels and see where that fucking gets you. Fat. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm just going to keep it simple on that. If you, if you want it, then get up and do it today. Don't wait, you know, and, and try to push it out and prolong the process of it. It's just going to add to the problem. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Thanks Shane. Guys, if you haven't heard Shane's episode, what episode number is it? Shane? I think it's um, I think it's seventy one or seventy two. I was driving and fucking pissing my pants. It was fucking so funny, dude. <laughs> all right, if you guys haven't heard it, go go listen to it, man. It's fucking hysterical. You'll understand where all these little fats are coming from. So, um, New Year's resolutions. Uh, the reason why we started this or we discussed this topic is because there's been a tremendous amount of relapse uh, that I've noticed over the holidays. And, you know, it's not surprising. That's, you know, if somebody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. He went back out. He drank. Why did he do it? It's because we fucking drink. That's what we do. We're addicts. We're alcoholics. You know, we are predisposed to wreck our lives, you know. So it's, it's not a surprise that somebody would go back out and drink, you know, especially early in recovery. And I also have this deal where I have this, this um, perfectionist thing. You know, where I have to be a I have to be a perfectionist. And if I don't do it right the first time, then fuck it, I'm not gonna do it at all. So I I'm I'm officially a quitter. And um you know, I remember the only thing that I wouldn't quit was doing drugs for a long time. But you know, I'd quit everything else. And I remember the first time I tried to play baseball and I really, really fucking sucked. And I remember, well, this isn't for this isn't for me. I'm not a baseball player, you know. <laughs> Fuck that. I suck, right? And so that that just that just started a long line of me saying, you know what? I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, my sister was a straight A student, 
you know, for me to get straight C's was a challenge. You know, so I had to look. I constantly was looking outside of myself and comparing myself to everybody else because I wasn't good enough. And so the same thing with making these these resolutions early in recovery, especially the beginning of the year. That's it, man. I'm not eating any more fucking cherry pies. I'm done with McDonald's. I'm not drinking for the rest of my life. I'm done. This is my New Year's resolution. Blah, 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 blah. And most of us know what happens the minute we make a resolution. Two weeks into it, we're done. We've already fucked it up, and we've moved on to something else, completely forgotten that we even made a resolution in the first place. So, you know, I love Paul bringing this up because it's so important that we don't take ourselves so seriously, but we do take this disease very seriously. It's cunning, baffling, and powerful. And all it takes is just one thing, just one thing that we weren't expecting to trigger us, and boom, we're right back out there. And most of the time when I ask somebody, dude, what happened? Why'd you go back out? And they're, usually the answer is like, man, I don't know. You know, a lot of times they, have, they do have these fucking bullshit excuses, but it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. The reality is that I had distanced myself. I distanced myself from the program or I distanced myself from the Facebook group or I distanced myself from my accountability buddies and landed alone somewhere. And then all of a sudden something happened to me and I, and I tripped along the way and I, and I tripped right into a fucking bottle of Jack Daniels, you know? And, and, so, and so holding yourself to such, to such difficult extremes, it's like on the same token, on the same token, I've watched guys in the Facebook groups, they're like, I just relapsed. I'm here, you know? Uh, fucked up. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Uh, don't know what I'm going to do next. Probably going to drink some more. See where that takes me. But I'm holding myself accountable, right? And... For some people, it was a little fucking uh, nerve-wracking, a little uncomfortable, but I was like, look at this fucking guy. Like, most people won't go to a meeting and do that, but they felt comfortable enough to go back in there. And guess what? A whole string of other people right after him came back in and said, I relapsed too. I'm fucking dirty. You know, I got to start all over again. But thank God I have this group. They hadn't forgotten the value of holding themselves accountable and connecting with the group. So it doesn't matter, guys. You know, if you do relapse, dust yourself off, pick yourself up, get back on that horse again, all right? And just don't look back. Get in there and ask yourself, what the fuck did I do wrong to end up here? And what am I going to do different now? That's the only question you need to ask yourself. And if there's certain things that you're not doing, or if you don't know what to do, get in the group and ask somebody, what do I do now? How do I stay sober? And we will help you. So anyway, that is, that's my take on New Year's resolutions and relapse, right? Don't take yourself so goddamn serious, all right? Dust yourself off and make yourself accountable. So, hey, oh, what is your New Year's resolution, though? Just out of curiosity. I don't want to hear yours, Shane, and then I got one. Yeah, yeah, sure. My, ahead, new, my New Year's resolution this year uh, so far is just to be mindful. I was talking to... I was listening to the episode that, that Shane had as well because it was the end of the year episode. And he said, pick a word that you want to hold yourself accountable to or, or you want to you improve upon. And it's just about being mindful. And instead of having a resolution where I'm saying I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, because I did write down my goals. You know, I want to get down to 190 pounds. You know, I, I, I give up a bunch of fucking garbage, sugar, fast food, all that stuff. These are my goals, right? And if I fail... 
I'm going to get back up and, and do it and do it again. But again, you know, as far as resolutions go, I've decided to make it being mindful, you know, really being in the moment, asking myself, slow down, take a moment before I take, before I take a next step, before I open my mouth, before I do the next thing, you know, is this good for me? Does this benefit me? Am I going in the direction of my goals and my aspirations? Or is this something that's going to deter me from actually getting in, you know, accomplishing the goals that I have set for myself for this year? So that's kind of, I guess, without – I didn't make any resolutions to be honest with you. I set some goals and, and my idea is just to hold that word of mindfulness you know, in high regard. So that's what I got. Shane? Yeah, I like Shane, that. what you got? I like the mindfulness because I think it's well-rounded. Um, it, you know, you can use it in, in, in quite a different, you know, sets of circumstances. I, d- I don't know that I necessarily made a specific resolution. I, I do know that um, my word for the year is presence, and that's to help keep me present in the moment. My mind tends to drift off, and I don't know if that's just a married thing. It's like the Charlie Brown teacher talking when my wife talks to me sometimes. Wah, I love her to wah, death. Wah, but wah, wah, it, it, exactly. Exactly. And she goes, hey, she got to snap her fingers. Are you fucking listening? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't. You know, so I, I'm trying to stay on point on that. And that, that doesn't just go to my wife. I, I use that as an example because it's probably the most often. But it, it tends to happen um, happen a lot outside of the house, too. So that being said, listening would be one of them, you know, staying present and listening. And then the other one is to stop saying I know all the time. Mm, um, that's and, good. And I, I, like I, I do that. I do that often. And um, once again, my wife, God bless her soul. She you know, is my, my, my best and worst critic at the same time and teaches me so much because she's so honest with me. She goes, you know, you say I know after every time I try to tell you something. Immediately, I think when she was telling me this, I went, I know. And I went, wait a minute. Yeah, you know, no. yeah. And, and so I realized, you know, I do do that often. And it's because, number one, I don't like people telling me what to do. Uh, I automatically put that guard up like, I already know that. You don't, need to, you don't need to fucking tell me. I got my shit, you know, down. I don't, I don't need to hear it. So I know, I know, I know. Um, and this can be even in a situation where it's just I'm agreeing with somebody. You know, like they're telling me something that I really do know. Well, I'm still trying to cut that out and listen to them and hear the conversation, you know, before I'm thinking about what I'm going to say or what I already know in my mind. Um, so that's one thing for me I'm trying to cut. I, you know what? And I just want to say, too, um, to, to both of you guys, um, you know, Gabriel, Tim, our network, all of our listeners out there that, uh, you know, in the Facebook groups, the emails that we all get, everyone, if we all stay plugged into this, 2016 is going to be an amazing year. For all of us, I see a lot of growth. I see a lot of connections being made, a lot of friendships, a lot of great things happening in this year of sobriety and staying clean and sober. So I just want to say thanks to you guys for the time, the effort, um, and and all the good stuff that's really been able to happen because of um, you know because of recovery in general and HP baby. Oh man, HP baby, you are the fucking <laughs> man, Shane. <laughs> Love it, Shane. And I'm going to go with another Russell Crowe reference here, but this one, not Beautiful Mind. This one's from The Gladiator. Whatever comes out of those doors, we're going to have a better chance of survival if we stick together. Yes. And that's kind of what Shane just said. This thing's isolating. If we stick together, we're going to have a better chance of beating it. New Year's resolution. This one's going to sound a little strange. My New Year's resolution of 2016, which I actually just burned this bridge, is to quit the gym. 
Sounds strange. I know. I already went and canceled the gym membership like December 28th. And, and here's why. I constantly preach how getting outside your comfort zone is imperative in recovery. All the magic that happens, it's not inside your comfort zone. I personally am very comfortable on that treadmill at 6.2 miles per hour. <laughs> then sometimes when I'm feeling really wild, I'll, I'll go up to a, a 2% incline. Woo, it is, it's crazy. I'm sweating you know, in a controlled environment, and it's, uh, it's a great workout. But then I walk outside. I see my dog in my car. You know, and, and like I don't do I don't go inside the gym in the, in, the, in the summertime, but like still in the wintertime, this is ridiculous. So I'm getting outside my comfort zone. I, I'm going cross country skiing with my dog, hiking outside in the cold, but it's beautiful. Besides all those free heavy weights at age 33, that shit is just going to hurt me. First off, um, push ups, all the body weight exercise. That's all I need. And I can do it with my, with my dog and, and kill two birds with one stone, get a workout and walk my dog. That's my New Year's resolution. Quit the gym, believe it or not. But still work out, if that makes any sense. And go, and go cross-country skiing. I feel so – I feel terrible for you, <laughs> Paul. I feel absolutely – it must be horrible. <laughs> it's like four degrees outside right now, okay? I, I didn't know if I was going to make it from my car to my condo. Oh, wow. That sounds Ooh, dude, miserable. That does sound miserable. Oh, dude, my cold. God. I, I'm glad lie. you can't see what's outside my window. It's summertime here in Costa Rica. It's the uh, shit over here. You know, you mentioned something, Paul, in one of the posts. I remember I posted a picture of, of the cabbage soup. Remember I posted yeah. a picture of the cab- cabbage soup? And what you wrote in the post was, hey, man, so what you're saying is I got to get married, right? So <laughs> for me to stay on course, you know, I, I got to get married. You know, you know what's funny is as, when I got married, man, it was almost like I put on the ring and then I just put on 20 pounds. You know, it's like, I just stopped giving a fuck. You know, I'm eating everything and eating everything. And then finally, my wife, who is a yoga instructor, all right, has a six pack, is in unbelievable shape. She just finally was just like, look, you know, I think I've had enough, right? And so we got into this huge fight, right, about me being fat. And then your fingers uh, are fat. (laughs) (laughs) You look like the clumps. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got so mad. But here's the recovery. Recovery kicks in, and I go, you know what? She's right. I'm mad. I'm furious because she's right. She's 100% right. You know, the truth will set you free, but I'll piss you off first. You know, um, and I told her, I'll make you a deal, right? I'll, I, I want to do this, this juice cleanse, right? You make the juices. I'll drink them, and I promise I won't cheat, all right? And uh, I haven't. No McDonald's, no sugar, no uh, processed foods, you know? And she has been like... Every single day, getting up, juicing for me, you know, just just doing the deal, man, you know. And it's like I even think about fucking going off and I've got somebody holding me so accountable right now because she's in this thing. We're in this thing 50-50, right? And I'm seeing the results like fast. It doesn't matter what it is. That New Year's resolution or that goal that you set or staying sober, whatever it is, you need an accountability buddy. And my wife right now is my fat accountability buddy. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping that I'm hoping that. Uh, well, I'm not hoping shit. I'm gonna do this, babe. I promise. All right. So, uh, Paul, you're gonna need to get married. <laughs> yeah, that's all I took from that post right there. Lee. I saw Shane. Was like, okay, you get married. 
Okay. <laughs> Start right now. Oh, God. Uh, I clammed up, shut the computer, and ran and hid. So, yep, that's it. It's still my strategy. It's not working. <laughs> All right, guys. I would say that this was another successful meeting, another panel discussion. What do you guys think? Great stuff, man. I, I, I really do. I believe 2016 is going to be a great year. So uh, love you guys, man. We stick together. 2016 is going to be a fantastic year. Thanks, guys. Hey, Paul, let's close out again. Give us that uh, quote from, from the Gladiator. Yeah. yeah. Whatever comes out those doors, we'll have a better chance of survival if we stick together. <laughs> HP, yeah. baby. HP, baby. We're out. This has been another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com. Contact Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. And leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.